thank you guys again for supporting the podcast. In case you guys didn't know, I'm really trying to work on growing my social media presence, either on Instagram and on Twitter. So make sure you guys give me a follow over there of at Jason Hill is both handles. It's also in the show description. It's a quick way to link over. This is the best way to also ask me about questions or topics you would like future podcasts on. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you check out the YouTube channel. It has a lot of these topics just in video format. It's just another medium for you guys to check it out. And so that is a good way to also get some jujitsu help. So thank you guys again, and I'll see you guys later. What is going on, guys? Welcome into another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Secrets Podcast. My name is Jason Hill. Hopefully, you guys are all having a good week of training. So in today's episode, what I want to talk about is a little bit about jujitsu kind of seminars and uh, things of that nature. The reason why I wanted to talk about this or chat about this is because I was actually able to attend a seminar this weekend. And then I was thinking back like, man, I don't think I've actually done a podcast on seminars or just sharing kind of my experience and maybe give you guys some advice about how to view a seminar or how to take from it. Um, so I also like just kind of sharing my own jujitsu kind of timeline and, uh, keeping you guys up to date with what I'm doing too. I think that helps kind of motivate people or encourages people and, and keeps them going. I think people like going along journeys with people of, of that nature. So anyway, the seminar I was able to attend was Andrew Tackett. Um, if some of you guys don't know, he is pretty much a up and coming, uh, jujitsu competitor. Um, he has uh, he was kind of first introduced to the world on that who's next tournament, I believe is what it was called. It was kind of like the uh, UFC's version of the ultimate fighter, but for grappling, um, I think it was hosted on flow grappling. So it kind of gave a platform to up and coming grapplers and they tried to make it a reality show, make it more entertaining and to kind of help grow the art of, of jujitsu specifically in the competition world, which was, which is cool. I honestly, to tell you the truth, did not watch it. Um, I, uh, heard about Andrew Tackett just from some of the tournaments and competitions that he has competed in and has done very well. Um, I think when I looked up earlier, he finished like second or third in that who's, who's next tournament, but pretty much where he became, uh, you know, his big breakout more or less was, was two years ago. Um, he won, uh, the ADCC uh, kind of Vegas open. And so he was able to kind of spread his name that way. And so, um, he is looking to try to win the trials and, and stuff like that, but he's, he's, he's been competing uh, pretty heavily the last couple of years. So he's kind of spread out a little bit and he was in our local area. And definitely anytime that I can go, uh, break away and I can go check out, uh, you know, people who I think have good jujitsu and just, meet people and, and kind of be involved in the jiu-jitsu community. I'm definitely all about that. And so um, he taught some really good stuff. Um, he is, I think, only like 20 years old or something like that. Um, he is a black belt. Uh, so that is super fascinating. I was actually able to chat with him a little bit. You know, if I was smarter and I knew that I was going to be there, you know, I could have brought some gear and maybe asked him to record a podcast, but I was not able to do that. So I, yeah, that's my fault as being a poor content creator there, but Hey, you learn from your mistakes and, and, and you keep going forward. Um, but, uh, you know, it was just kind of from my own analysis, you know, I've been teaching jujitsu since I was a blue belt. You know, I started teaching at around 21, 22, you know, I'm, uh, I'm 32 now, so I've been 
you know, doing jujitsu for close to, to 14 years, but you know, a large part of that has been, uh, me teaching. Right. So, um, I've been, I've been doing that for a while. So I respect anybody who goes out there on the mat and is trying to teach and, and convey information and go forward. So I know there, I, I remember experiencing this, um, sometimes now, obviously I don't, I don't have the pedigree as uh, Andrew Tackett being 20 years old and teaching jujitsu, but, um, I, I, I did, I remember thinking back that when I, even when I was like a, a purple belt or a brown belt and, and, you know, I've always looked younger than probably I am. Um, I remember some people kind of just thinking like, man, this guy is, is young. Could he really be able to teach stuff? And, and you definitely kind of get that. I know ages, ageism is a thing like where people kind of are, are, uh, putting down other people because they're maybe older or something, but I don't, I don't know if anyone ever talks about the reverse of that, um, where people, you know, don't give young people the respect or, you know, think that they could have accomplished that much or they can, you know, do things of that nature that way. So I remember it was at times, I, I know for a fact, people didn't necessarily like learning from me because I was younger as I was teaching. Um, if I was teaching kids classes, it's totally fine. But like, I remember when I was a purple belt or a brown belt, even teaching adult classes to people who were in their, you know, late thirties or forties, it was kind of like, well, can this kid really like even show me something? And you kind of get that. And it's not always quite the mutual respect, which is interesting. So anyway, that's just a different uh, perspective that I had on it. So I know he was 20 years old and, and, you know, teaching that. And even though I'll tell you guys right now, being a first degree black belt myself, just because you have this like pedigree and you have this uh, stuff going out there and teaching to people is very nerve wracking. You're, you're paranoid and you're uh, self-conscious and you're wanting to do a good job and you're wanting people to learn, especially if you're as like passionate about jujitsu as, as he is, or most people who are teaching, you know, they're wanting people to learn and they're wanting people to get it. So like I said, I respect anybody for going out there and being able to teach and, and want to help people and convey information. Right. So he did a very good job at teaching. So I thought that was uh, very impressive coming from that being, being of only 20 years old. You know, I was, I was barely in jujitsu. I think I was still a white belt at 20 years old and I hadn't even started teaching yet. So for him to be out there, um, number one, uh, being able to teach, to convey information is very impressive. And, uh, also I thought his attitude was, he was very opening, very open to questions, you know, depending on where you train jujitsu or there's a jujitsu kind of stigma out there about how instructors can, you know, be a-holes or egotistic and, and things of that nature. And they definitely do exist. Um, I did not get that experience from him. So I thought that was very, very cool to see. Um, and then there was a small part, like after, um, he had taught, there was a little bit of kind of open mats and stuff. Um, he did not train just because he was uh, recovering from an injury. So, uh, he kind of went around and chatted with people. And so I was able to ask him, Hey, how long have you been in jujitsu for, you know, what kind of got you going? And, uh, he grew up in Austin and he's been training since he was six years old, which was super cool to see. So this is literally something he's been doing since he was, you know, six years old. So technically he's even been doing jujitsu longer than me, which is absolutely nuts. And he's been doing jujitsu longer than a lot of other black belts out there. So, um, he definitely knew that this was something he wanted to do. And, uh, so yeah, so I, I wish him nothing but luck in his up and coming, uh, matches and, 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 and tournaments and, and any of his, competition endeavors. So if he's ever in your guys' area, I do highly recommend it. 
Um, he showed some back taking stuff. He showed some guard passing and some leg entries. So he kind of showed all the stuff he does, which I thought was was really cool. So anyway, with that, that just kind of brings me to the next part about seminars or just in general and maybe give you guys some ideas about how you can learn from seminars. Um, so at one time, seminars, I remember like whenever I first started back training, seminars were were I think a lot bigger of a deal than maybe they are now. Maybe they still are a big deal, but I remember um, – like kind of when I started training, if someone came to your town or it was even a couple states over or, you know, within driving distance roughly, you know, you would you would go to these seminars because that may have been the only chance that you could either meet the person, learn the information, or just kind of experience some cool things. Um, I've I'm very curious if instructionals have kind of changed that model. Now, some people would say that you know, if it's a good instructional that would promote, um, you know, people going out and meeting them. And that's, that's possible. Um, I'm not saying that that is impossible, but I've also seen people who I know for a fact have told me that like, they're not as worried about going to a seminar because they can just learn all their stuff online. So they're not really sure of like what information they're going to get besides just like meeting them. And it just, it, it seems like, I guess the access to that person or the scarcity to that person just doesn't seem like the same as it, as it used to be. So I'll give you guys an example. Like when Marcelo Garcia came, um, he came to our gym when I was a white belt and dude, there was like so many people there. And like Marcelo, he was like probably very much at the top of his game at that time. And it was so cool to see. And, and it was like this figure. And I don't really know if he had like an instructional series at that time or really, I think he maybe was starting his website. But but the point was, is that like that wasn't the standard norm. So like you saw all these people who were just going because they're like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to learn anything from Marcelo or, or be able to get his information. And it was kind of that that scarcity idea. But now with the access to instructionals. Um, I don't know if it creates that. Some people would say like, no, I mean, it creates more of the personality. They get to like you and, and things of that nature, which is which is true, too. So um, I just found that find that fascinating with seminars that I'm not sure if they're as popular as they used to be or um, maybe they're more unpopular or more demand. But, you know, sometimes I go to seminars and I'm surprised by the turnouts now. And sometimes I'm I'm not disappointed. I'm like, man, I thought more people would be at this or, you know, things of that nature. I think that also goes to show you too, that it, it, it relies now more on the jujitsu instructor or the person, or, you know, if that's their goal is to teach seminars is to promote it themselves. Um, I think you've kind of started to see that now you're starting to see a lot more jujitsu people kind of not just take their competition like a business, but just them themselves as a product as a business, you know, you got to have a social media presence, you know, you got to promote the stuff where you're going to be at, you know, and, and you got to think about it from a whole. Now it's not just like, Oh, I'm going to teach this one seminar and I know I'm not too worried about it. Cause I don't really worry about these things. I'm, my, my goal is to compete, but you know, if your goal is to make a financial income in jujitsu, that's kind of a, a, a big portion of it. And I remember that that was kind of a segue into the seminar is that's kind of why even a lot of people did compete. So the whole way that people used to make money in jujitsu was two ways. You either ran a school or you went to do 
a seminar, right? Those were the main ways and they kind of fed off of one another. So you would go and compete and then you would get all these accolades in competition and then you would go and, uh, you know, do really well. And then you would open up a school. So if you're a student that's tired of wasting time and really looking for help and really looking for the finite solution, I encourage you to check out my jiu-jitsu acceleration system. It's a coaching program where you actually work with me. We work together. We collaborate. We figure out where your jiu-jitsu is at right now and where we want to go. And then we figure out a plan on how you can best execute it even inside of your own training environment. So this is just an extra resource, just like an instructional would be, except you actually get to work with the person who created it on a weekly basis. So if that's something you're interested in, make sure you guys go over to my website, www.chasonhill.com, where you can get all the information. Until next time, I'll see you later. Based upon your accolades, and then you could kind of get a seminar tour based upon your... Um, you know, your accolades and people wanted to learn from you, but now with instructionals, uh, you know, you could just do that and you don't have to travel. So see, that's why I'm kind of curious on if seminars are as popular as before, because there's other forms of making money. Now, I'm not saying that the demand isn't necessarily there. I just think that the old school way of like only having to compete and then just doing well in competition is not the only way that people will come to your seminars or or buy your stuff anymore. I think there's ways, you know, you, you guys see it right now. I guess if you want to call me that I'm a YouTube personality or I have YouTube stuff. So like, you know, people find you in different ways beside just competition accolades and might want to learn from you because they vibe with you and, and they enjoy you. Some people make it purely based upon resume and competition. Some people prefer the way that you teach or something like that, right? So you kind of got different different ways of promoting in different angles. I mean, definitely the way that I know about Andrew Tackett, for example, was from his competitions, but I've gone to a bunch of other seminars from, uh, you know, respected people in the jiu-jitsu community that didn't do anything of competition and didn't build their name at all in competition. They were just known as like great instructors or good influences and were came very highly recommended by other people who I respected, you know, think things like that. So um, you know, there, there, there's different ways to, to promote. So, um, often, uh, the reason why I say all this is because I remember back when I was training, students would ask, you know, do you recommend that I attend seminars? You know, should I go to seminars? You know, are they actually beneficial? Are they helpful? You know, everything like that. And so I still, my advice, I think still kind of is still the same and it still holds up. I think it depends on what you're going to the seminar for. So, you know, just like when you buy an instructional or you watch a video, you know, there's going to be no seminar that's necessarily life changing in the sense of what you're going to learn. You know, you're, you're going to probably learn some cool moves. You might be introduced to some cool philosophy or different ideas of how to train and just kind of, um, see some different, uh, exchange some ideas, but ultimately they are nothing in a couple hours and, and two to four hours or however long a seminar is, it can't change everything. It might be the catalyst to get you to initiate some idea. So like if you learn this one technique and it, and then you go back home and you go to refine it, or it encourages you to dive down another rabbit hole, that might be the life changing aspect, but they're more just kind of catalysts to ideas. So, you know, you're never going to go to one seminar and think that like, oh, because I attended a Gordon Ryan seminar or a John Danaher seminar or a Craig Jones seminar, I'm going to 
come back with this cool move that's going to make me foolproof. Um, I, I'm not saying everyone believes in that, but I've had students who have legitly kind of operated from that that standpoint before because they're like, oh man, this guy's so good. Like I, I have to get good if I learn from them. That's not always true. I'm not saying that the techniques weren't good, but the person, you are not that person. So you got to go home and practice it, develop it and everything like that. So I, I think if you look at it from like kind of of a realistic perspective of what you can get out of it information wise, I think that they're great. Um, I wouldn't say go bankrupt on attending a bunch of seminars. So a lot of people like, you know, that used to be a big thing. People go around and travel to all these different seminars of certain people, almost follow them around like rock bands because they didn't have instructionals and they didn't, they didn't teach in their area. And so that was like the only way you could find that person. You were like learning from that person, but now that's not, that's not the same way. So I wouldn't recommend, you know, obviously breaking the bank on them. Um, if you're going to spend money on them, I think also a cool underrated aspect though of seminars is it's like a networking opportunity or just a community opportunity. I've met so many cool people from the seminars that I've attended that that was worth the price of admission in itself. You know, at the end of the day, you know, people can argue, which I find so funny um, through jujitsu comments or, you know, jujitsu things like, you know, when people leave like negative comments on my YouTube channel and like, you know, this advice is crap, you know, you just got to show up and train and roll or, you know, you know, people will take time to argue with others about like, oh, this person's jiu shit or this person's better and that person's an a-hole and that person's an a-hole and you're like competing with one another or downplaying anybody who's trying to help the art grow, I just think is, is just so weird. And it's ridiculous because really we're all in it together for jujitsu in itself. Right. So ultimately we are like a niche inside of a niche. And then we like niche down even more inside of that niche. And it can feel like you're, you know, you know, this person gives bad advice. This person gets better advice. This person gives that, this person gives that. But really at the end of the day, when you go to like a jujitsu seminar, or even you see two guys that quote unquote, don't like each other when they compete, there is like a mutual respect for everybody. Cause we're all doing the art together. I've always been fascinated by that. Like, you know, all the people who talk crap to Gordon Ryan, if they like got a chance to roll with them, would they pass up the opportunity or to train with them if for free because of some standpoints that you don't like that he takes or you don't support him? And the answer is probably like, no, right? You would absolutely train with him. Or if you don't like this person, but they were standing right in front of you and willing to show you a technique. No, because everyone in the world is, is a taker. People like to take stuff and they like to to get stuff and they see value in it. So I just find it fascinating that, you know, it kind of divides people. But when you're in like a networking opportunity and you're in those areas, you meet so many cool people in jujitsu. And so um, I think that's a big aspect um, that that I think is valuable for jujitsu students to experience, because the, the thing is, is like if you guys see anything that is successful or if you do something that's successful, like if your goal is to be a black belt right? I think one of the biggest aspects that you're going to need is like a community support and a community aspect, because if you're ultimately not supported by either your teammates or your coaches or the environment that you're in, then it becomes very rough. It becomes hard because then you don't have people to fall back on. You don't have people to um, ask questions to, or you don't feel like that there's any hope or light at the end of the tunnel because you have no like mentor, you have no guidance, or you have no one to, uh, uh, I guess a roadmap to follow, but when you kind of get involved in the jiu-jitsu community as a whole too, you know, you don't solely put 
all that responsibility on to, you know, your, your home gym. You're like, oh man, I can reach out to this other guy that trains in Kansas. You know, I'm in Oklahoma. So maybe there's a guy in Kansas that you really like. And so, you know, you go up there and visit and you get, get different ideas. And, and I think that sometimes gets undervalued because you're not supposed to cross train with certain schools. And that's kind of always been a dogma too. But I think jujitsu seminars are just kind of networking opportunities. You meet people, um, you've built some great friends, you get involved in the community, which I think ultimately my point with all that is ultimately it keeps people on the mat training for longer. I think that's what they need to become a black belt. So, you know, that's why I encourage people to do seminars in general. And it's a cool memory uh, story. You know, I'm a big fan of documentation. You know, that's something uh, I wish if I could go back and do something different, just in the sense of the external factors of my jujitsu is document my journey more from white to black belt. I honestly don't have that many photos of me as a white belt. I have more, it's like each belt, I think because technology also got better and stuff too. Um, like each belt, I got better at documenting my journey, but I don't have many photos of me at white belt. Honestly, um, I don't have, uh, any videos of me at white belt. I don't, I don't think so. I'm trying to think, yeah, I don't think I have any videos. Um, even though phones and cameras and stuff were, were there, it just, it wasn't as normal. I'm at blue belt. I've got a little bit more purple belt. I got a little bit more brown belt. I got a little bit more and so on and so forth. And so I I do recommend that you guys kind of document and you experience those things because the way that you'll take in a seminar, like as a white belt is going to be much different than how you take in a seminar at a purple belt or a brown belt. And the way that you kind of approach it or the value you get out of it is way, is just, just two different things. So I think it's like that, that's an important a sliver of your jiu-jitsu journey is to kind of experience for all those reasons that I said for networking opportunities for uh you know your your mindset or your perspective or you might be introduced to some training concept that is really cool that you've never seen before because it's outside of maybe what your gym practices of things of that nature. So I think all those things are really beneficial for what seminars have to offer. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that they have value. I think they have a place in the jiu-jitsu world. Um, and yeah, I just think, I think it all depends on the perspective of the jiu-jitsu student. I think also it's cool to meet people like, um, you know, prom pictures, basically, you know, I've got all kinds of photos with me training. Um, I don't as I say that I don't have a photo with me with Marcelo Garcia, but I was in a group photo, but, you know, I've got to train with guys like Henry Aikens and, and Roy Dean and, um, man, I can't even tell you uh, who others, you know, Andrew Tackett now, um, a lot of the different Gracies, you know, uh, Henner, Hedon, Gracie, um, some of the Machados, Carlos Machado, um, you know, all all different kinds of people. Those are just the ones that kind of come, uh, John Dan, I've been to John Danaher and Gordon Ryan seminar multiple times. Right. So you kind of acquire this collection of stuff and you just kind of get to meet people and, and get photos and stuff. And all that stuff is, is really cool. I think to experience. And like I said, to document in your jiu-jitsu journey, it's something you can look back on. And it kind of, like I said, it kind of helps you stay motivated. It's able to, um, keep you be like, man, look at me there. I didn't know anything when I was there. Now look at me now. You know, it's a documentation of your transformation, which ultimately that is what jujitsu is. It's a transformation. You are going from literally knowing absolutely nothing or being naive or, you know, having no skill set, whatever you want to call it to then, you know, if we say black belt is the pinnacle or the end of that transformation, 
you know, you go from being absolutely knowing nothing to quote unquote being a a master or a professor or very proficient at a certain thing. That doesn't mean you're done, right? Obviously, there are levels to black belt and there are levels past that. But I would say majority of people would say, oh, that transformation is complete from white to black belt. And then it's just there are different phases of the transformation after that, right? So anyway, that is going to wrap up this podcast today. Um, Like I said, um, I like to share not just only like advice, like do step one, step two, step three, but also to share stories and to share information. I think you guys can learn a lot of stuff that way and I think it has value. So if you guys ever have any uh, questions or concerns or you guys have like a, a specific uh, seminar that you want me to talk about, you know, please, please let me know, shoot me a message and uh, yeah, I'll chat about it more. So anyway, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up this podcast and I will see you guys in the next in the next one. If you guys are really enjoying this podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it if you left me some reviews, maybe some five stars, whether you're listening to this on Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, make sure you guys leave this five stars, leave some nice words. Also share it with a friend. You know, I don't charge anything for these podcasts and my goal is just to grow it and help the jiu-jitsu community. So thank you guys for supporting and I'll see you guys later.